Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Dr. Dina Hinshaw yesterday held a, uh, a virtual meeting with primary care docs in Calgary. And it was really interesting. She started her discussion by saying, hey, thanks for having me back. Thanks for still talking to me. She said, I've heard from so many of my clinical colleagues saying, what on earth are you doing? How did you make the decisions that you made? You know this is craziness. Um, And she said she's heard that from a lot of doctors. And she was talking about how we ended up in the mess that we're in right now with the ICU. And she was very explicit about how we got here. She's not uh, confused at all. And... um, People say, yeah, well, you shut down contact tracing on and on. No, 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 no. It's because we went too fast, too far. I don't believe that that contact tracing change has had a huge impact on our trajectory. I think that trajectory was set when we removed all the public health restrictions at the beginning of uh, July. I think if we look at the experiences of all of the different provinces across the country, uh, those that have kept in um, some base level restrictions to manage the interactions and, and close contacts, are the ones that are not seeing the significant impact. And those of us that removed them are the ones that saw the, the significant, very steep rise in some of these acute care impacts. Now, the reason I think this is so interesting is because it's a bit of a departure. Well, actually, it's a big departure from the way Dr. Hinshaw has played this pandemic. She's been straight down the middle and not getting into any of the discussions like this. Um, and she's been facing increasing calls, clearly, from her colleagues in the medical profession saying, what are you doing? Uh, And of course, from the public, you know, I mean, Resign Hinshaw trends on Twitter regularly now um, because she uh, has not spoken out against um, what a lot of people say is a failed UCP policy uh, that got us into this mess. Um, But it's an interesting transition for her because at the beginning she was a hero, right? I mean, she was lauded. Everybody loved Dr. Hinshaw and it slowly but surely ended up to the point now where she gets all kinds of venom. And I think that's probably typical for all chief medical officers of health. It's an interesting study into who they are, what they are, what they're supposed to do, and what they're doing now. So to get some insight on exactly what a chief medical officer of health means and what we should expect from them, we have Patrick Fafar joining us, who is the Associate Director of Global Strategy Lab at York University and the University of Ottawa, and a Professor of Public and International Affairs at the University of Ottawa. Um, Patrick, thank you for your time this morning. I appreciate you joining us. Thank you. You know, when we take a look at the Chief Medical Officer of Health, let's just talk about what that role traditionally has meant. What is, you know, what is the job description of a Chief Medical Officer of Health? Uh, It's an excellent question. The job description of the Chief Medical Officer of Health in most provinces is broadly similar. They are the chief public health uh, official, advisor to governments. In some provinces, the local medical officer of health have a reporting relationship to the chief medical officer in other provinces not. But they're styled, they're there to do several things. They're there to be an advisor to the government. They're there to be a spokesperson for the government in certain situations. They have, unlike almost any other public servant, they have independent regulatory power. So Dr. Hinshaw and her counterparts in other provinces have the authority under the Public Health Act to like shut a business down. Um, and basically they're the person who's there to 
protect or to uh, maximize public health to the extent possible. And typically, um, I think most people have gone through life, however old they are, not even knowing who the chief medical officer of health is, because they don't have an impact on our daily lives. So the situation we're dealing with right now is a real departure from what they typically do and the role they typically play. Exactly. So the chief medical officer of health is a very old role. goes back to the 19th century. Um, but it's the assumption is that day in, day out, we're dealing with relatively small-scale stuff. So, for example, under the Public Health Act, the chief medical officer has the authority to shut down a business, for example, because there's an infectious disease outbreak yeah. in, a, in a local business. What's extraordinary is that uh, nobody anticipated when we designed the role uh, something quite this big, quite this large, quite this extensive, and it's it's had the the pandemic has had the effect of stretching and putting putting the role under a whole lot of tension and it's playing itself out in different ways in different parts of the country and you know what i think you know their job has always been one where they've managed to maintain political neutrality because it hasn't been required but that too has changed because every decision that a government has made surrounding this pandemic has been seen through a political lens and whether they like it or not they're part of that process Exactly. But here it's important to make a couple of points. First, uh, the chief medical officer of health is very unusual among public servants. There is almost no other public servant working for the provincial government who has quite this profile. Mm-hmm. Normally, we let the minister or the premier speak for the government. And two, there are very few public servants who have the independent regulatory authority that the chief medical officer of health does. Now, those two features are on purpose, but... It means that in something this big and this large, all of a sudden this person who, as you say, is relatively unknown, is in in the media every day. And in the case of Alberta, the government of Alberta uh, made the problem bigger, if you will, by making two choices. One, by putting Dr. Hinshaw front and center, um, and the politicians have been relatively uh, less prominent. Uh, so the public gets this idea that somehow she's making the decisions. And two, the government of Alberta decided to to implement a lot of its actions using the regulatory authority of Dr. Hinshaw, as opposed to saying, "No, we're going to do it this other way, and we're and we're going to make it clear that it's our decision, and and we're implementing it." So those two things, using her authority under the Act and making her this chief spokesperson, means that the public thinks, "All right, she must be responsible for all of this," and in fact, she's not. Right, and she, up until a point, she was very explicit on that. She said, "My job is an advisor." I don't make the decisions. And I always said, good, you shouldn't. The elected officials are there, elected by us, to make these decisions based on the advice they get from all different corners of the province. So you're doing the job the way that it should be. We've now pivoted to a realm, and I think you're right because the government said, this is Dr. Hinshaw's plan in Alberta. And the initial reaction as things started to get a little out of hand here as we headed through August is, Dr. Hinshaw needs to resign. She needs to push back. She needs to speak out. That again would be a huge departure from the role of a chief medical officer of health, wouldn't it? Well, yes and no. So, two points. On your first point, you're absolutely right that uh, the Minister of Health, Mr. Chandro, went out of his way to say these choices were on, and the premiers did the same thing, these decisions were made on the advice of Dr. Hinshaw. Now, I spent a lot of years in government. I study how government works. I, it's, it's barely credible 
that a decision of this magnitude would be made solely on the basis of the advice of one official, however mm-hmm. uh, senior and important she might be. So that was a bit disingenuous, to say the least. Um, but then second, you put Dr. Inch on a very tough spot because, of course, she's now having to be the, the front person, the spokesperson for very controversial decisions. And her, as you pointed out in your intro, her public health and medical colleagues got quite upset. But there's one thing that's important to remember. The role was always intended to have a degree of autonomy and independence because from the public's perspective, oh, right, there's this sorry, autonomous doctor person who's advising the government or in safe hands because it's not those politicians making the choices. Uh, at least they're being advised by this, this public health expert. And so the role was always intended to have some degree of autonomy from the elected, from the politicians. So that's by design. But it gets really complicated during a pandemic because, as you say, the decisions are so vast yeah. of such big implications. It's, it puts the chief medical officer, not, and not just Dr. Intra, but her counterparts across the country. The moment the government makes what turns out to be bad choices, they're put in this really difficult spot. Uh, and her, her uh, announcement yesterday was significant because um, she finally felt compelled to say what everybody knows to be true, which was that the, the decisions were advised. Um, you know, we're talking about Dr. Hinshaw, but I don't think, I, I can't think of one chief medical officer of health who hasn't found themselves in the firing line at one point or another throughout this in our country. I mean, they were heroes for a while, then they were villains for a while, and they bounced back and forth. Um, do we need to rethink the role of chief medical officers of health? I mean, we've got people who, I don't think Dr. Hinshaw ever thought she would be giving a news conference, let alone a news conference every single day for months on end. You know, there's different skills and attributes that maybe we should be considering for this role. You're right, but I think Dr. had a, has given press conferences in the past, so that's not news. What is new is, as you say, doing it every day. Yeah. Um, but I don't think it's about the skills or the personality or the charisma of the chief medical officer. I think it's more about, about the institutional design, and I'm, I'm, I'm increasingly convinced that in the face of pandemics, and there will be another one, we need to rethink the role. But one thing that's very important is that how the government manages the role is important. In a lot of other provinces, yes, they've been in the limelight, but they were never asked by their government to, to sell uh, policies in quite the same way Dr. Hinshaw was, or they weren't asked to sell policies that, that were as out of sync with public health advice. And so hers is a particularly difficult situation. But yes, going forward, we'll probably have to rethink the role and ask, can the same person be an advisor, be a spokesperson, be a critic? Mm -hmm. Probably not. And we might need to separate the role in various ways. Yeah, it's an interesting discussion. We're all learning as we go here. I really appreciate your time, Patrick. Thank you so much. Good discussion. You're very welcome. Take care. Yeah, you too. Thanks very much. That is Patrick Fafard, an assistant uh, associate director at the Global Strategy Lab at York. Uh, and the University of Ottawa, and a professor of public and international affairs at the University of Ottawa. And I think, you know, it, he, there's a lot of really good points there in, in terms of we, we put these people in, in charge of public health response and things like that. And this circumstance, I think we can all fully grasp, is extremely extraordinary. Nobody saw this coming. Um, and it, I, I do not envy Dr. Hinshaw for a moment. I think, you know, she had an idea of what the job was going to be when she got into it, and it ended up being something completely and utterly different. 
uh, and we can argue, and I'm, and I'm sure we will before we're done today, as to whether or not she's done the right thing. You know, has she has she fulfilled the role the way she should have, or should she have pushed back? Maybe she agreed. I don't know. We don't know. Um, but the announcement that she made yesterday, you know, saying, in my opinion, uh, the reason is clear why we're in the trouble that we're in is uh, because we removed restrictions. Look at the other jurisdictions that didn't, and they're in far better position than we are. Seems relatively straightforward.